Hey everyone, this episode of Books and Boba was brought to you by Libro.fm. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers from around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook companies out there, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Just like our podcast, you can listen while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. And if you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people that know audiobooks best, your local booksellers. Listeners of Books and Bulba can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month by going to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the code BOOKSANDBOLBA. With each listen, you can take pride in knowing that you're supporting your local bookstores who need your help now more than ever in this trying economic time. Once again, Books and Boba listeners can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month by going to Libro.fm and subscribing with the code BOOKSANDBOLBA. And now to our show. You're listening to... Whoa! Welcome to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And it is Asian American Heritage Month. Rira, happy Heritage Month. Happy month of our heritage, even though we come from different heritages. <laughs> yeah, uh, the thing about like this month is there's so much going on. Like I feel like there's so many virtual events happening all at once. It's kind, it's kind of overwhelming. You don't have to tell me. For the last week, I've worked on a virtual event each night. And I have several more in the works. This month is totally kicking my ass. And like, at some point, I thought, hmm, it'd be really cool to do something for Books and Boba. But I just don't have the bandwidth so this is doing this podcast is probably as much as i can muster right now and also also our um asian books challenge that Rira has put together which has been really fun to see everyone um interacting and engaging um and it's been really cool to see everyone's book picks yeah yeah um it's it's funny to see people pick the same books as us for some of the prompts because (laughs) uh it's like one, while this book was like more popular than I thought it would be. And like, two, it's um, like, it seems like a lot of people have different tastes. So um, it's been interesting to see our tastes overlap. Yeah. And because it's, um, this is a new thing that we were trying off this month, I thought it'd be really cool to just get together and just recap um, the book picks that both us as hosts pick each week as well as um, take a look at what people are recommending on um, on social media as well. So um, for the next few weeks, we're going to be recapping the week of book picks for Asian Books Challenge, um, hopefully um, diving a little bit more deeper into why we picked the books that we did and um, to just share all these wonderful books that, um, you know, doing our part in adding to the plethora of content that um, we're seeing this month for APAM. And if you're 
interested in other bookish events, uh, Asian Readathon, they're hosting a Little Fires Everywhere uh, read along and also watch along. So they're watching an episode of the Hulu adaptation every week while reading the book. So that is a really fun way to, uh, to, you know, kill two birds with one stone. If you've been uh, putting that book on your TBR list for uh, too long. And um, I know Asian author Alliance, they're doing a series of panels. Um, I know that they put up their schedule recently so um, that's going to be on their web- website at AsianAuthorAlliance.com. Um, today, they did an Instagram takeover uh, of We Need Diverse Books. So they have a lot of exciting things coming up. So check it out. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into our book recommendations slash TBR. Yeah. It's time uh, for the Books and Boba Asian Books challenge week one recap this is where i insert dramatic music if i have it yes uh let me just say that my photoshop skills are not you know not very advanced so creating this calendar for (laughs) our 31 day asian books challenge it took me hours and uh it's it looks like great, though. It looks great. Yeah, <laughs> it looks a lot better than I thought it would turn out. Um, and you made two versions, which I yeah, I did. Is harder I made than two versions. Seems. Yeah, because <laughs> I realized, like, when I made the square version, I was like, "Oh man, like, how is this going to fit onto um, like Instagram stories?" So <laughs> I was like, "I guess I'll make another one." And it just, I, I don't think I slept that night. Oh no! I like a true. Um, true college energy i did it like the night before um it's an idea that i had for a while but um just coming up with a lot of the prompts was a little bit challenging um because it's like by like day 18 i was like oh my god there's still so many i have to create (laughs) um but i think i think my efforts paid off i'm uh, I'm really excited to see what other people come up with as as the weeks go on. Yeah, I'm super appreciative of you taking this on because um, <clears throat> because I wouldn't. Sorry, even know I like where complained for like the, you know. <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> it's oh, a, no, no, it's it's totally valid. I mean, I, I honestly, I really appreciate all the work you put in to this podcast, like doing the work that like because like. I know if I were to sit down and think of 31 different like categories, I would come up with seven and be done with it. Be, oh, it's Asian Books Challenge, the week edition, you know? So, the week edition. <laughs> yeah. In both definitions of that word, you know, the week and the week. All right. So what we've been doing on the Books and Boba Twitter is that Marvin and I have been alternating. Uh, so it's not just, so the thread is not just my recommendations. Uh so it's like a mix, but of course, uh, Marvin and I pick different books for each day. Yeah, I mean, that's how we've been doing social media in general. So like if Books and Boba, the Twitter um, page, feels like it has two personalities, it's because it does. There are two it's voices because it's run by two people. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if you see like emoticons and people and like the tweet being pretty cheerful, that's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's pretty straightforward... That's probably me. 
Uh, okay, so day one of the Asian Books Challenge, uh, the prompt was first book you read by an Asian author. And this prompt was pretty difficult for a lot of people um, because uh, they don't really remember what their first book by an Asian author uh, that they read. Uh, because for a lot of us, I'm pretty sure we read picture books by overseas authors. Because I know for a fact that like when I was little, I... You know, I grew up reading Korean picture books written in the Korean language, but of course I don't remember them. So I picked the one that I could vividly remember. And that book was Linda Sue Park's A Single Shard. And um, I remember this book pretty vividly because I had won an essay contest at Korean school and I never win anything. So (laughs) I... I won a copy of it, and it was my first time reading a book that was written in English that took place in Korea that was about Korean culture. Um, And the book is actually a historical fiction novel. Uh, It's set in 12th century Korea, and the novel follows Tree Ear, who is a homeless boy who lives under a bridge with an elder man, and uh, his town is famous for pottery. So there are a lot of potters in his town, but there's this one master potter that he really loves. And one day he accidentally breaks the master potter's work. So now he has to repay his debt by doing manual labor. And in the course of uh, doing this weird apprenticeship, uh, he's given the responsibility to bring this vase, uh, the Celadon vase, to the royal court at, for like a presentation because like the king is going to pick out like a master potter for for his like I don't know royal art collection mm-hmm. and uh, on his journey he encounters bandits and um, his and the vase breaks so the only thing he can present to the king is a single shard, which is where uh, the title comes from. So that was my uh, day one pick. And how about you, Marvin? <laughs> yeah, um, I had a similar thing where I was thinking about how to interpret this challenge because like, there's a lot of ways to interpret it. And I know some of our um, followers did so by making a very broad interpretation. Because um, I was thinking like the first books I read by an Asian author were probably like the people that wrote my Chinese school textbooks. Um, or like they have this book of Chinese fables, right? Um, but the first like Asian American author I remember reading or consciously reading was the book uh, Farewell to Manzanar, which was assigned to our class in sophomore year as required reading. So the whole class had to read it. So um, Farewell to Manzanar is a memoir of Jeannie Wakatsuki Houston, who was one of the many Japanese Americans who were incarcerated during World War II. And it's pretty much a memoir of her experience leading up to, like, starting from Pearl Harbor, leading up to incarceration, and then after incarceration. And um, it was probably the first time that I had read a, like, first-person account of the internment camps. Like, I think in a lot of ways, it's what started me on this journey of, like, learning about Asian American history beyond what my personal family's history was in this country. Um, So I think... That's why I picked this book, because I was thinking about other books that I've read before, like, because I've always been conscious about like, oh, there's an Asian person on the cover or this is an Asian story. I want to read it. But I think it wasn't until 
um, way later that I realized all those stories were written by white people. So, um, yeah, like uh, we had one person uh, on Instagram like doing this challenge, and they found out that Memoirs of a Geisha was written by a white dude. Yeah, and they were like so mad because they thought that it was <laughs> it was like they're like, oh, this is my first Asian book, but it turns it turns out to like not be written by an own voice author so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had the same experience with um snow falling on cedars uh which is also a book about japanese americans post world war ii um it's kind of a noir-ish like like murder mystery book um but that was also written by a white dude and i should have known because it kind of centers on the white dude investigator instead of the japanese american community yeah now that i think about it <laughs> um a popular pick uh, for the day one prompt was uh, Dragon Wings by Lawrence Yep. And uh, Lawrence mm. Yep is, you know, like, I think he is like one of the most prolific Chinese American writer of all time. <laughs> so uh, it makes sense that a lot of the older uh, people who are participating in our challenge to pick one of his books. Yeah. But that Dragon Wings was probably the most recurring book that I saw on our social media. All right. So day two's prompt was favorite 2019 book by an Asian author. And boy, that one was hard. <laughs> yeah. For this one, I put um, Fonda Lee's Jade War, which is her follow-up to Jade City, uh, which is Fonda's um, alternate universe post-World War II um asian inspired magical gangster epic so it's kind of like godfather but with like kung fu and magic which was the the, the only book um uh, from last year that i read like with reckless abandon like i literally pulled an all-nighter to finish it because i just couldn't put it down i remember um, it yeah i remember yeah. like uh i had asked you like hey are you like how far along are you on this month's book club pick and you're like i've just been reading jade war <laughs> and i'm just like marvin that's not even our pick for this month and you were just like i know but i couldn't put it down so yeah, yeah i remember like how <laughs> uh invested you were yeah but there are so many books that um that i read that came out last year um all of them will eventually appear on my list but jade war definitely eked out the top spot for me um by by a little bit but like i cannot wait for the third book jade legacy to come out and it won't be out till next year which is very sad but it'll be worth the wait <laughs> um for for day two i picked uh misa sugiura's this time will be different um Again, I read a lot of books in 2019, but it turns out that a lot of the books that I read last year were not written last year. <laughs> uh, so I had to like go through a lot of uh, a lot of like my books on my list being like, OK, like which books actually got published in 2019. Publishing is weird and I tend to run behind when it comes to my uh, to be read list. So um we talked to Misa on the podcast, and we also talked to uh, Fonda on, on our podcast as well. Um, but for those of you who have not read the book and have not listened to our episode with Misa, uh, the book is about CJ Katsuyama, who is a high school junior, I think. I don't know, but uh, she's a high schooler who works 
part-time at her family's flower shop. And she finds out that her mother is about to sell the flower shop to this prolific white family in the community. And it turns out that this same white family uh, was the one that swindled her grandparents after, before and after uh, Japanese-American internment. So it's pretty much about this teen girl who is trying to, you know, trying to get social justice. So if you're interested in that kind of story, uh, I recommend it. And listen to listen to my chat with Misa. I think we had a pretty good discussion. Yeah, um, that's in our archive. So you can check that out in the, at booksandmobile.com. What else did people pick for day two? Uh, so one pick uh, was The 10th Muse by Catherine Chung. Um, it's a historical fiction with mystery and math in it. I'm pretty sure we talked about this book on our podcast when the book deal was announced. Um, but it's pretty much about how uh, women are treated in history and academia, and it's a very feminist book. Um, let me see what else people wrote for day two. Oh, day two. I've seen this book pop up a lot. Uh, Descendant of the Crane by Joan He. <clears throat> That's another Asian-inspired fantasy, uh, and it's very Game of Thrones. There's a lot of political drama and intrigue. Yeah. Okay, so... Day three was book with an Asian on the cover. This was a really funny prompt for me because I feel like every single book that I picked had an Asian on the cover. <laughs> so I was like, I have so many options. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? Like books with faces on the cover are mostly, I feel like, middle grade and like YA titles that have that. Because like I was thinking about all the like the more like quote unquote adult books that I've read and all of them just have like text on the cover mostly well it also depends on the country that's uh, true some countries they prefer to have uh, just more of like a graphic design with just like fancy font and other countries they kind of want more like maybe more of an illustration and other countries want like more realistic photos on their covers so it really depends on marketing yeah um so what did you pick for day three marvin I picked um, Love Boat Taipei, uh, which was um, the recent YA um, book about the um, Taiwanese like cultural study trip program, a.k.a. Love Boat by Abigail Hing Wen, another author that we had on our podcast to talk about her book. It's about a Chinese American girl who gets forced to go on the study trip to Taiwan by her parents to you know, pad her college transcript. Um, but the trip turns out to be Love Boat, which is a notorious like summer camp type of program where on paper it's to teach Taiwanese kids about their culture. But what really happens is basically a summer where these kids have no adult supervision for the first time. And, and because the legal drinking age in Taiwan is 18, um, a lot of them end up sneaking out at night and going clubbing. And um, just having a grand old time. So it's a really fun coming of age story, kind of like um, Breakfast Club meets, um, I don't know, Euro Trip or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. The characters are really great. And um, as a Taiwanese American, I related a lot to a lot of the characters. And it has a dope Asian American on the cover, which is always fun. And for my day three pick, it was um, The Downstairs Girl by Stacey Lee. Um, I have not read this book. It's on my TBR pile, but 
Um, the cover is gorgeous. It's it, it has an Asian girl with this awesome nineteenth um, century Southern dress with this feathered hat, um, and the book is about a Chinese American girl who is living in 1890 Atlanta. And she works as a maid for an aristocratic uh, white family. But at night, she moonlights as an anonymous advice columnist. So um, since this book is set in Georgia, I'm already in (laughs) because I'm from Georgia. And I feel like I don't read a lot of books about Asians in the Deep South. Um, especially like historical novels as well. Um, I think a lot of people forget that Asians have been in this country for quite some time. Uh, we are kind of erased in a lot of American historical novels. Um, so it's really nice that I'm seeing another book by Stacey Lee, who, you know, who's kind of like the queen of Chinese American historical novels, so I'm really excited to read this. And I've actually seen this book float around for <clears throat> our day two prompt, which was favorite 2019 book by an Asian author. So I'm yeah. pretty sure that I am <laughs> I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah, it has a very striking cover. Like it's one of those covers where like if you pass by it in a bookstore, you kind of want to stop and find out more about what the book is about. The thing is, like it's terrible, but I'm also like a really big fan fan of british period pieces <laughs> so <laughs> so i'm like oh yeah like a period like a an asian american version of downton abbey like okay <laughs> yeah like, but it's like I, i'm re- down <laughs> reconstruction south right or is it post-reconstruction um i think it's post-reconstruction mm. i'm not oh, god i should know this i took georgia <laughs> studies in in middle school i should really know my history better but i don't so mm. Other books that I've seen for day three uh, have been George Takei's They Called Us Enemy, uh, Yang Zhe-Chu's uh, The Night Tiger, um, pretty much all of Maureen Gu's books because every <laughs> single one features an Asian girl on the cover, which I absolutely love. Um, we support. <laughs> I really, really do support it. And all of her books pretty much have like Korean American girls or Korean diaspora girls. So definitely my aesthetic. Yeah. Moving on to day, where are we at? Four? Day four. Yeah. Um, set in an Asian country you've never been to. And this is the first one where Rira and I uh, both picked the same book. Because um, I don't know about you, Rira, but looking back at like books that made me want to go somewhere real bad that I haven't been to before. Bangkok Weeks of Rain by um, Pichaya Sutanmad was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, same here. Um, I think, yeah, that book really stuck with me like a couple months after I read it. Um, I probably can't tell you like all of the specific individual stories in it because that that book had a really interesting format where it intertwined a bunch of different other character stories from different time periods. So I can't tell you like exactly what happened because it's been so long. But I do remember like the vibe and the atmosphere and just like how Bangkok has transformed from like before colonization to like, you know, pretty much what we might see in in the near future. 
Yeah. So like from, it's a book that definitely stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if anything, it illustrates the, I guess, um, temporal nature of the city, right? And the many names it has, like starting from like when it was Kruntep to, you know, when it became Bangkok. And like the, the fact that even within the book itself, in, the city was never the same and the way the people relate to it aren't the same, but it's all tied to place. And for me, I have family from Thailand. Uh, my cousins are, are part Thai. So there's, there's always been an opportunity to go. I just never took that opportunity. And you know, these days, who knows if I'll ever get the opportunity again. I mean, this book is definitely a book where, you know how there's some books where after you read it, you look at things a little bit differently, like how you travel and how you look at place and how you think about the history of like specific places, no matter how mundane. Um, I think this is one of those books that had that, had that effect on, on me, at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that prompt was pretty easy for me because I haven't traveled Asia <laughs> extensively. Like the only countries I've ever been to in Asia have been Korea and Japan. And yeah. I've only visited Japan twice. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, there were like a lot of books that I wanted to pick for this prompt. But because um, Bangkok Wakes Terrain left like resonated after like all of these months, uh, I picked that one. Um, other picks that people picked for uh, day four, lots of Korean books, actually. Um, Vietnamese, too. A lot of, yeah, a lot of Vietnamese, too. Yeah. Um, one pick for, uh, for a book that was set in Korea was The Silence of Bones by June Her. Uh, if I'm correct, this book came out this year. Uh, and it's also a historical fiction novel. And it's mm-hmm. about a Tamil. And Tamos were pretty much like, uh, indentured servants who worked for the police because a lot of like male police couldn't go into um, to certain places where there were women. So uh, Tamos right. would like infiltrate and do like the grunt work. So uh, that's really like that's a really interesting book that I want to read in the future. Another yeah. book that was set in Korea that was listed was uh, by Crystal Hana Kim, If You Leave Me. And some of the Vietnamese books, I know um, The Sympathizer popped up a few times. Mm-hmm. And that was also a book club pick. And I Love You So Mochi by um, our friend Sarah Kuhn. Yeah. Which is set in Japan. Okay, so we are on day five now. Science fiction novel by an Asian author. I'm guessing that this was pretty hard for you, Marvin, because... Uh, science fiction is like one of your favorite genres i mean it was hard because there were a lot of options to choose from but i mean given the situation i really wanted to highlight my pick which was um, severance by ling ma um, which is also one of our past book club picks because it's one, one of those books right now that i think everyone should pick up and read but at the same time, I don't know if everyone should pick up a read at this point. Especially not like not now. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the thing like it's I think so Severance by Ling Ma, for those of you who haven't read it and didn't um, join us in our book club discussion. It's a post-apocalyptic um, story about what happens when a pandemic decimates the human population. What's really striking looking back at this. And I've, I've been thinking about Severance a lot because of our current situation is how many things um she got right. She got right in terms of like how the world responds to a pandemic like this, like how governments downplay it, how companies downplay it, how companies try to, 
you know, put on the the PR face like we care about our workers, but still want all the workers to work, you know, and and make money. And I don't know if we can still call this speculative. I mean, we can still call it speculative because it is about a fictional like pandemic, but it's kind of sad how it shows that like people are pretty predictable. Governments and systems and capitalism is very predictable. Well, books are reflective of society's <laughs> current problems. I can see why <laughs> like it's so, you know, it's so similar to what we're going through now. Um, if folks are interested in reading more pandemic novels during this pandemic, I don't know why you would want to read uh, that type of genre. But if you are interested, uh, The Book of M by Peng Shepard is a good pick. Uh, and the other pick that is um, set after a pandemic is A Beginning at the End by Mike Chen. And we actually talked to Mike on this podcast before. Um, let me see. What was my pick for day five for, for a sci-fi novel? Oh, oh, okay. So my day five pick was Want by Cindy Pond. And this was actually a pretty popular pick for day five. I saw it floating around uh, around Twitter and also Instagram. Um so Want is set in a near future Taipei and the city is plagued by pollution. It's, you know, it's the air is pretty much unbreathable and only the rich can afford high tech protective suits uh, while the poor can't really afford anything. They're just suffering in this toxic environment and they're dying early. They're aging early. Um, and the book follows this teen boy, Jason Zhao, and he and his team decide to infiltrate the wealthy. So it's like part heist, part, uh, I guess, speculative, because we are, <laughs> uh, we are faced with a, a climate change crisis. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, other popular picks that people picked for day five... Um, An Ocean of Minutes by uh, Tia Lim. Thea Lim. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I apologize. But that's a time travel novel. And uh, that was also listed on one of our um, book blog posts on, on our website. And another popular pick that I've been seeing is The Three Body Problem by Shushin uh, Liu, which we read for, for book club not that long ago. Yeah. Um, day six, Asian inspired fantasy. Rio, what do you what did you pick for this one? This one I picked. What did I pick? <laughs> They're all blurring together for me. Okay, so day six, uh, Asian for Asian inspired fantasy, I picked Steel Crow Saga by Paul Kruger, which is not uh, a series. This, it's a standalone. It's not book. a series. <laughs> Sorry, we found that out like after we. <laughs> After we aired the episode and we had a couple people saying like, no, it's not a series. I mean, he said that he might write a sequel one day, but it's not definite. And I'm just I saying, think my hopes got crushed. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, when you say saga, I didn't expect the whole book to be the saga. I thought it would be a saga of books, but that's just that's just misinterpretation on my part. Uh, yes. Um but in the discussion episode, I mentioned that this book is anime as fuck, and it really is. 
Uh, if you are into Avatar The Last Airbender and Full Metal Alchemist, this is your book. The magic is so, uh, it's so creative. You like, it kind of works like Pokemon. Uh, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of the characters, they kind of have these magical animals that they bonded to and they use them for battle. And, uh, there are also like several queer characters in the novel, which is great. And, uh, the countries that are represented in the book, uh, because this book takes place after post-colonization, the countries that are presented in the book, they are pretty much real-life Asian countries. So there's like a not-China equivalent, a not-Korea uh, uh, not equivalent. Yeah. So that was my pick. Yeah. Uh, mine was... Um, well... I guess I kind of picked the Sorcerer Royal um, series, uh, specifically the True Queen, because the True Queen has more uh, Asian-inspired elements in it. But the first book in the series, Sorcerer to the Crown, was was one of our earlier um, book club picks, and it's still one of my favorite reads um, that we've done. Uh, basically, a story set in Regency England, which, you know, is where you have your your Jane Austen-type stories about high gentlemen and ladies and, you know, like a lot of, like, witty banter except the main characters are people of color um and there's magic involved so it's like if harry potter meets pride and prejudice but mr darcy is a black dude and liz bennett is um i think she's coded as a south asian woman right uh i think she's indian yeah she's she's, uh part indian (laughs) yeah so the second book the true queen which is another book that i read in 2019 like focuses more on these two characters from um, Jean de Bec, which is this um, smaller village in the Malaysian archipelago, and has a lot more elements from uh, Malaysian folklore in it. And it takes place in the same world, but focuses on these two new characters that are um, more like fish out of water in English high society. Um, other popular books that I've seen for this prompt was Mooncakes uh, by Wendy Shu and uh, Suzanne Walker. Spin the Dawn by Elizabeth Lim, which is kind of like a magical project runway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been on my TBR pile for a long time now. I should probably uh, get into that. Oh, and the anthology uh, that was edited by Ellen O and Elsie Chapman, uh, A Thousand Beginnings and Endings. So yeah. there are a lot of Asian authors that <laughs> contributed to that anthology. So I guess it covers a lot of bases. All right, which brings us to day seven, a book with LGBTQIA plus Asian main character. So for my day seven pick, I picked Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Nyan. Um, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Much, the NG is you know, tough. I think we need to like it, listen it, to it someone pronounce it. <laughs> um, so... I have not read this book. It's on my TBR pile, but I thought the concept for it was so cool. Um, So it's set in a Malaysian Chinese inspired fantasy world where demons and humans live alongside each other, even though it's not really in the most amicable terms, but uh, you get the idea. And every year, eight girls are chosen to become um, concubines to the demon king. And this is considered an honor and also like a very demeaning uh, thing that the girls have to go through. And the book follows Lei, who is from the lowest caste 
in their society and she falls in love with another concubine and it is a forbidden romance with um, political intrigue. So I really, really want to read this book. Um, a lot of other people have picked it for uh, our day seven prompt. And how about you, Marvin? What did you pick? My pick was uh, Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. Um, I think <laughs> I was thinking about the, the books that we've read um, that have a a queer main character. And um, this was the book that first sprang to mind. Um, also one of our past book club picks. It's about a, a girl that lives in a world that where superheroes are real and they've been like corporatized. Right. Um, and she's from a family of superheroes, but she herself has no powers, or so she thinks. Um, and it's about how her, she comes into her own by becoming a, like a lab assistant at uh, what turns out to be a supervillain's um, um, lab, um, and where she starts developing a crush on uh, one of her fellow lab assistants. And what makes this um, story and CB Lee's whole series, her, her Not Your Psychic series, so awesome is all the main characters are queer you have bi characters you have gay characters you have trans characters um and um they're all from diverse backgrounds and cb really um like takes care in writing stories where those identities aren't the story but they're part of the story and they're part of the characters but they're not like the focus of it the focus is still a fun like superhero romp where you have a plucky gang of young i guess rebels uh, fighting against an unjust system um so yeah so another pick, uh, another prolific pick for this day was Edinburgh by Alexander Chi, who is a very prolific writer in the Asian American literature community um, and who is also queer himself. Um, another pick that I've been seeing uh, for this prompt has been Blue Boy by Rakesh Satyal. Um, it won the Lambda Literary Award for a debut novel. And, um, yeah, we're, we're recording this, um, on day seven. So we haven't really seen that many, uh, <laughs> answers as of yet, but I'm pretty sure that's going to change, uh, by the end of today. Also yeah. another, uh, also another author that I've been seeing floating around for day seven has been Melinda Lowe's, uh, books. So the author of Ash and the author of the thriller novel, A Line in the Dark. And Melinda Lowe has been a very, um, um, important part of the queer literature movement online. And she's always been very supportive of queer authors. So, uh, it makes sense that all of her books would have uh, queer characters in them. Yeah. So for day eight, which is going to be the final uh, prompt that we're going to talk about in this episode until uh, next week, uh, was read the book, watch the adaptation. And there are some very obvious choices for this <laughs> prompt. <laughs> so here's the thing with this prompt, right? Is for a lot of adaptations my experience has been the other way around for most of them, like in general, like um, I think it's been well documented on this uh, podcast that I've never read a single Harry Potter book, but I have seen all the movies, which is something that still brings Reba great pain and disappointment. I'm sure. I, th I think I'm over it now because <laughs> JK Rowling has uh, done some really questionable things over the last three years of doing this podcast so mm. i i think i am pretty well over it 
<laughs> well, since we haven't revealed ours yet, um, I'll go first. Um, my cho- my choice here is, I mean, it's the most obvious one, right? It's Crazy Rich Asians, which is a book that we read for this book club, um, which is also a movie that I watched first, which totally colored how I saw the book. And uh, I think it's been well documented in our podcast that we are not the biggest fans of the text, but huge fans of the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about adaptations, you know, like you like I like it when when the creators of the film adaptation, they take a different uh, approach to it. Yeah. So it's not like the same exact story. Um, but yeah, I really like the movie uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Um, thankfully, it was a big success. So <laughs> it ushered in a lot of other uh, Asian-American adaptations that are going to be coming out and also have already uh, came out, uh, yeah. such as uh, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng that is already out on Hulu. And I believe right. that her debut novel, uh, Everything I Never Told You, what is also being made into a film right now. Last I checked, it was option. I don't know if it's in development yet. Hmm. It's been a while since hmm. we've checked on that project. <laughs> And then there's also Pachinko that is being yeah, adapted. Eagerly awaiting. I think, I don't know if it started filming yet, but I know there's a script out there for the pilot. Yeah. I mean, like that one's going to be a little bit different because uh, it takes place present day first, right? Um, well, I mean, it depends how, it, how it's framed because the book goes chronologically. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go chronologically for, <laughs> for the adaptation. I just have like a gut feeling that they're going to, start with present day and then work their way backwards yeah i mean it works as a it works as a like a flashback story too so i don't know we'll see i mean the thing with adaptations is they need to find a way to translate the text to the um the text to the to to the screen right and there's a lot of leeway to doing that um especially when you're thinking about how to sell a story about korean japanese to like mainstream audiences i.e white people right (laughs) A lot, of white, a lot of white people read Pachinko, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, for my pick, since I have not picked yet, uh, I have two choices, and I I keep going back and forth on them. So uh, I'm just going to name both both of my potential choices. Uh, one is To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is probably mm-hmm. going to be a very popular pick for this prompt. Uh, we did an episode with uh, Alice and Catherine Fanchang, uh, where we kind of compared the book with uh, the movie. And we had a lot of fun chatting about it. Um, I personally, I preferred the book more because mm. uh, it, it got into the nitty gritty of the sister relationship rather than just a romance. So um, I preferred the book compared to the movie on that. Uh, oh yeah and like I watched P.S. I Love You recently <laughs> like <laughs> I, I watched it really really late after uh, after it had come out but I really liked it um, I liked my it too other, yeah I think I liked the first one a little a little bit better um, a lot of people were upset that uh, Laura Jean did not end up with the second male lead, secondary male lead, who is uh, John Ambrose McLaren. And I'm like, and and before I I had watched it, I was like, why? Like in the book, I was still cheering on for uh, Peter. (laughs) 
But I could totally see why after watching the movie. He he was really charming and uh Peter he made some was. questionable choices. I don't know. I can see like I'm still on the um the side that like neither of them did anything wrong. It's all kind of on Laura Jean and her like indecisiveness that kind of um created those situations. But uh yeah. Uh and my <laughs> second choice is Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Mm. Um there are no Asian people in this book, but it is written by a Japanese British author who won the Nobel Prize for Literature um shortly after we had actually read the book for book club. And it's one of it's probably one of my favorite uh dystopian sci-fi novels that I've read in my life. And uh, the movie actually was very, uh, it was received really, really well. It was a critically acclaimed film featuring, um, starring Kira Knightley and Andrew Garfield. So um, it was, it was a really good movie. So that's week one of the Asian Books Challenge. For those of you who haven't been following along, it's not too late to, you know, jump on Twitter, social media, Instagram, and like catch up and let us know what your picks would be for all of these challenges. Um, looking forward to week two because there's a lot of really cool categories here. Um, that's going to take some thinking. Yeah. Um, and don't feel pressured to recommend a book every day if that is something that, uh, you find to be too challenging, please go at your own pace. Uh, the point of this challenge is to spotlight uh, different authors across different genres and to really celebrate uh, Asian authors. So it doesn't have to be just Asian American authors. Uh, there's a reason why we're calling it Asian Heritage Month, because we want to include other diasporan authors and also um, like prolific Asian authors whose works haven't been translated into English yet. So um, really, like we're trying to open this up to as many different uh, communities as possible within the Asian umbrella. So um, yeah, don't feel pressured. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing more recommendations under our hashtag. Yeah. Well, Rira. Thank you again for putting together such a comprehensive challenge for Heritage Month. Um, it's been a lot of fun just um, thinking about books that I've read and what I want other people to read. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know how to respond to that, but yeah, uh, <laughs> just, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, that'll also do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thank you for listening to our recap of week one of Asian Books Challenge 2020. Hope you all are staying safe during this age of coronavirus. Um, yeah, curl up with a good book. Maybe find one of the books that we've recommended and we'll let us know if we're right or not. All right. See you guys next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This episode was hosted by Marvin Yue and Ri Rayu and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. Thanks also to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts that Books and Boba is a proud member of. You can learn more about our fellow Potluck Podcast by checking out the website podcastpotluck.com. Kim! Steve? What's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, No. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? 
Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So... Are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean drama podcast at koreandramapod.com. Gotcha! Am I going to see sauna towel buns?